Good morning and welcome to HR Examiner's Big Ideas Radio Show. Today we're going to be talking with Alfonso Diaz-David from Nissan. He is the head of global, let's see if I got this here, global digital HR ecosystem is, is actually that's the title of the talk that he's going to be giving. I'm going to let you let Alfonso introduce himself. How are you, Alfonso? I am very happy to be here. Thanks for, for the opportunity to share these moments. And I am an HR director. I have a 27-year-long career on transforming, on being in transformation actions on the global automotive business. And I have done that all my time by leading people and organizations, but also enabling them, engaging them, and empowering them. Currently, I am the head of Nissan side of the digital HR program for the Renault-Nissan Alliance. And uh, as a background, as an engineer by education, I evolved for making things happen in ISIT during eight years, unforgettable years, into to make people make things happen in all functions. And that means HR, and I love it. That's such an interesting transition. So, so you went from being an engineer to to running HR projects. Uh, what do you think the difference is between being an engineer and doing that and being somebody who's a more standard trained HR journalist? Uh, at the end, uh, it, I would say that there is no big difference. As far as you focus on the bottom line, and the bottom line is your impact, as I have said, in the organization, in the business, and you have to do that while you are an engineer in ISIT or in manufacturing or research and development, and while you are in, in HR, not only projects but operations, you have to do the same by a different approach. So in many cases, and I have learned this by heart, by, by experience, your toolbox as an engineer and as a HR leader is quite similar, similar and complementary. Fantastic. So what's the biggest thing that you're wrestling with today? Well, currently, our current ecosystem is that we are covering 110,000 employees of Nissan in 50-plus countries. We are hosting them in World Day for the, basic, for, the, for the big part, World Day for core HCM, for talent management, for performance management, and time attendance in some countries, and cornerstone on demand for learning and development. This is our ecosystem, and as, as I have said, 110,000 employees. Now we are doing extension. We are extending this, this ecosystem to include our Renault counterparts in the Alliance Renault-Nissan inside it. And we are adding also new functionalities such as worthy recruitment. We are uh, extending to, to, mobile, to mobile access for all our employees. And of course, we are standing uh, advanced analytics, predictive analytics to, to think about that. By the end of this program, we are talking about around 230K employees in 60 plus countries. But again, this is a never ending story, and I am sure that we will continue expansion and extension. So, what are you learning from this? That, 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 that's a big, complicated world that you're talking about. I'm interested in, in what 
What's it teaching? Well, what teaches me is that, and this is the change on, on, on digital HR nowadays, is that we have to be as much as possible user-centric. You can always get uh, closer enough to the user needs. You can always get closer and closer to them. You can always look, try to understand what are they doing, how are they feeling, how are they adopting or not adopting the system, what is the rationale behind them on that. So this is a very important change. If you really want to cover all these, all these footprint, big footprint, on a, on a system that really enables them, you have to be close to them. In Nissan, we call it, we have our Nissan way, we call it go to Gemba. Gemba is the Japanese word for where the situation really happens. And this is the learning point that you have to be there. You cannot think, design, configure your, your solutions. Staying in a workshop in a closed uh, in a closed area in a headquarter, you have to do that for sure. But later you have to go physically or remotely to understand the, 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 your end customers in all the time zones in, in all the continents. And this is the, the, the main point. And by doing that, you you have to think on them. And what I have learned is that what they want is not fancy solution. Most of them but simple solutions that are trustable, that are intuitive, that are predictable. And sometimes when we design the systems in HR, when we have just HR people designing our solutions, they are very nice, they are very perfect, but sometimes they are simply too complex. The so, point so that is important is the quality of the data. Yes, please. Go ahead. No, no, the, the, let's do the data quality. I'll come back to it. Yeah. The data quality in this jump that we are moving from HR, HR to HR systems that are managed by HR specialists, we are very good in managing data, the data that is good, and taking out of consideration data that maybe is not perfect, that maybe is obsolete, but we knew that. We are experts. But then user is not like that, of course. It's not his duty. And when you create this kind of global systems, software as a service systems, very transparent, you can find there data that you have forgotten, and this data is there, and this data is annoying your end user. So, so everybody who I know who has tried to do a big, complicated uh, transformation like you must have done has run across tremendous difficulties in in data across the various organizations in a in a global network that includes 110,000 people. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what that process was like? What, what was it like to get the data right? The process to get the data right was first to discover that our quality was not so good, and this. This is one of our learning points while now we are doing the, this new expansion, etc. We, The first point was to understand the real level of, of quality of the data. And this we did by discovering, sometimes by discovering a bit too late that the data quality was not there. But then we, what we did is to apply, and this is good to be in a big uh, manufacturing corporation, to apply the, the, the excellent tools of quality analysis that we have. We have a strong culture of detecting uh, defects, preventing defects, 
analyzing defects that appear in our manufacturing systems or in our supplier systems, etc. Because at the end, the quality of a car is almost perfect. So with all these learnings that we have inside our DNA, we start to apply continuous PDCA, Plan, Do, Check, Act, continuous quick analysis review, continuous structure analysis, what we call quality control analysis with simple but very effective tools such as Pareto analysis, such as Ishikawa, etc. So we apply our Nissan manufacturing way that ensures the quality, the cost, and the delivery of our projects to these HR projects. Well, that's astonishing. This is really the first time that I've encountered um, the integration of uh, HR and total quality principles into a single um, methodology. That's that's that is a very very interesting thing that you're doing. Is it just a natural outgrowth of being at, at Nissan, or was there some change that you had to make inside of HR? Of course, uh, in HR, and this is also a learning point, you have to make some changes. But let's start by the beginning. HR in, in Nissan, in a corporate automotive, is massively dedicated to where the headcount is. The headcount is mostly in, in manufacturing or in engineer area. So we are quite familiar, because we have this culture of go to the Gemba, we are quite familiar with the manufacturing tools. So we were familiar in that in many areas. Maybe not in some parts of the headquarters, but in many areas, yes. So this was not difficult. What was really difficult, uh, I think it's a learning point, is to learn how to transition for developing uh, internally owned and internally designed systems to software as a service uh, solutions. And this, this transition is not so easy, not for HR, not for the HR centers of expertise while moving to design, to, to configure, or to the, to the HR local business partners that cannot sometimes understand that the system has not been so much localized. But also for ISIT, it's a bit challenging because they are many times not used to the agile methodology that is, let's say, the, the standard now for deploying this software as a service. So this was one of our learning points also. Transform HR to adapt to software as a service uh, go live implementations and operations. One of, the, one of the things we talked about before the show is that it's very important to you that your team enjoy themselves as they go through the hard work of these sorts of transformations. Now, tell me a little bit about that and tell me how you make that happen. Well, it not necessarily happen all days. We face Sundays <laughs> and uh, we have very interesting workshops uh, and, uh, and, and very productive ones. But then reality comes, complexity comes, noise comes. These, let's say, uh, gaps sometimes between methodologies appear, etc. And then what is important is uh, what we say, uh, focus. Of course, focus on the people. Make the people make things happen. Make the people feel uh, reassured that they are doing well by one side. 
Second, just focus on the on the top priorities that you have, and you should have no more done than than two, three, or four priorities. Put the team to work on that. Just forget or forget or or forgive the the small fires that are there. Just to keep the people, because a, a very stressing factor when you are talking a, a project of this size is if the people have a list of 17 concerns in their mind. So let's to have three, four. Let's focus on them, and then also try to try to impel them to to take this as, as in a sporty manner. What I use a lot is the this English proverb that says that. A smooth seas never made skilled mariners, hmm? and uh, and, well, and that's it. Of course, it's a, it's 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 the, this journey is a, a learning journey, and you have to learn, and you have to learn from your successors, and you have to exploit your successors, and this is very motivating for the people. And sometimes you have to be tactical to keep this motivation ongoing, but also sometimes you have to be very tactical to avoid big problems. And in this, I think that, that our company is very good at that, and on being tactical on that, and especially focus on the problems and take care of the people. Maybe I am a master of the obvious, but, but this is the way how we try to, to deal with. But, but it, it sounds like a wonderful work environment. You're going to be presenting at HR Tech World in Amsterdam in a couple of weeks. Uh, what are you going to be talking about? I am going to talk about two topics uh, closely related. The first one is precisely how did we manage this journey in Nissan, how we took advantage of the, of the tailwinds, how we managed the headwinds on that by applying our, our, let's say, DNA tools, such as Nissan Manufacturing Way, but also Project Management Way, that we use to put cars in the market in a short time. So how we convince that? What were our learnings also? And I will share with them some of the learnings that I have just shared with you. And also on the other side, we, I will talk in my second speech about user adoption, how to enhance user adoption. Because at the end of the day, the, this is the, 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 the battle, not the battle, the quest that we, we have to do. Be sure that you are enabling the, the, the user to do her job in a, in a most efficient way, uh, more enabled and more engaged. And at the end, the, the, these are the two topics that I'm going to explain, how we manage the wins, and second, how we continuously uh, look for improving our user adoption. So, so tell me a little bit more about how you improve user adoption. That is a hard thing for most people to get right. Yes, of course, and and at the end is the, the the just one word. It's empathy. Empathy. Think about them. What do they want from a from a digital HR tool? As employees, as a managers. And the first point, even if it's not very fancy, that you have to be humble enough enough to to to, to accept, is that the payroll is one of the most important topics for any employee and for any manager. So again, although it has not brilliant charts or interactive screens or whatever, you have to ensure that from day one. If not, people will get angry, 
and their families probably, but also the managers. If you go to a manufacturing plant in South Africa and you have a problem in the payroll and the payroll is run there on a weekly basis, you are going to have serious, serious problems. But the same will happen in, in a plant in any other part of, of, the, of the world. So payroll matters, first point. The second point, ensure that there is business continuity. Also, the user, what does not want is that the, the, this new system that has been implemented by these HR people is uh, avoiding him to, to, to sell cars or to produce cars. And they are not egoistic. They have the, the objectives and you have to accept that. So you have to partner with them and to look when you have to do a thing, when can you launch, and you have to, again, to be very close to the business and to understand that in a manufacturing plan, you cannot try to implement a system, an HR system, while they are launching a, a new car. Or that if, if you are going to do the, 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 the performance appraisal cycle, be ready that this is not going to disrupt the calculation of objective results uh, of sales operations at the end of the fiscal year. And, and you have to do this continuously to think about that. So the second point is to avoid business continuity, uh, to ensure business continuity, sorry. The third point is focus on the, uh, on the basics. Try to think why are you expanding uh, your system? What are you making it global? And usually you are making it global because you, have, you want global approaches in many things. But other things can continue to be local. So you cannot be absolute to say, no, everything is going to be global now. No, we need to be global uh, reporting, for sure. We need to be, uh, to be global in organization management, organization chart, for sure. Or basically in talent management or in performance management. But there are many other topics that they are better uh, at local or regional basis. And you should not go to a remote headquarter far somewhere in a different time zone to ask for introducing changes that you have decided at a local level just to fulfill a request from your local works council. So the third point is this, focus on global, what is global, and take out of global what does not need to be global or that might be too complex. This would be the third, the, three, the third point. And as I have said, users love simplicity. And same happens. And, and for me, the Amazon experience is our reference. No? Everybody knows how to use Amazon. And there is no training about that. Eh? Okay. Okay, so that makes sense. So now you've, you've done a big, big uh, global digital ecosystem transformation. Uh, took about three years. So tell us a little bit about that process. How did you get um, buy-in from the executives? Uh, and is three years what people should buy in? Yes. What we did is we took advantage on on, let's say, uh, on, on a, com we converted a risk in an opportunity. We had a classical in some corporation system, not integrated. We had it by regions. We have two regions that we were 
quite good, or one very good, uh, the North America. Other reasonable good that was Europe, but in other regions we have a very obsolete system. And it was time of, of, of changing it. For changing it, the initial analysis was to just to replace this and continue with the status quo of regional system. But then, under the, the leadership of our head of HR, he said, let's see if by doing that, in a, rather than doing that in a classical approach, we can go for an innovative approach. Let's see if there are other approaches. Let's see what is this point of the software as a service, why we are not doing that. Can we do that uh, and then take advantage to move into a global one? I remember the first, the first reaction, and it was here in Paris, what to say to you what? You want to take out our HR data to our, from our servers to a cloud? And the reactions were like that. But he managed to convince key stakeholders, and after three weeks, we were starting to, to analyze uh, the, 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 the clouds, the software as a service for HR. There we were able to, to, to understand uh, that one of the benefits of software as a service is to move from ownership cost, that means capex at the end of the day, to opex, to operational costs. And this, for a, for a, for a function that is not core as HR, is very important. Because in any big corporation, or most of them, the, the, the big focus on all the capital expenditure has to be, in our case, to design and produce very good cars and to renew them, and to, to expand our, our, our market. So as far as we can avoid taking CAPEX from these vital experiences, it was very good, uh, the case for operational expenses. And this is what we did. We, we, we built a business case on that. We managed to convince um, finance people, and we managed to convince some executives, also they, 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 they trust a lot our HR execs, and that happened. We created the business case there. Then, from the business case point of view, we started to as the, the classical approach of a global design or phase. Then we started to learn by deploying in some small emerging markets that were difficult, but they were not critical. And this was a, a very good on-the-job training for us, very good experiences from there. And then we started to deploy in, in our three main regions. And that's it. Okay, so you must have had some major hiccup. No good project like this goes without running into trouble. Uh, what's the big problem that you had, and how did you surmount it? Very good. As I have, ref I have already referred to them, one of the big troubles was the learning phase uh, between us and uh, the other partners in the project, integrators, ISIT, and also uh, to learn to work together. So we had integrators, uh, HR, digital HR, HRCOEs, and ISIT working together, but also it was one of the first times that we are, were working together also the different regions. So this learning took some time for us. Also, we are talking about 2013, where it was not so extended. 
So we were learning, but many people were learning about wording. So this practice took us some time to understand how to work together, how to manage the project, how to manage the governance between the regions, between the function, etc. took us some time. That we were not expecting, maybe because we were thinking that the project was going to be quite similar to, to previous projects. So this was a big learning point. The second point, as I have said, was the data quality. I will not repeat about that. But we discovered there that it's not the same, an HR-to-HR HR system, that a, a digital HR-to-employee uh, system that is going to be managed mainly by employees and managers. A third point, very interesting point, was that data privacy matters a lot. And especially when you, you move to global systems, you move to systems that the server is not in your data center, but it's remote, etc. You have to, to think about that, and you have to invest a lot of time, of quality time of your experts, but also of some external experts. And they are not cheap. So we have learned that from for, for now on. This would be my, my three main points that, that we struggled. The fourth one was, as I said, payroll is a priority. And sometimes in some fragmented regions, such as, for example, Europe, that you have a lot of different countries with a lot of different legislations, a lot of different collective agreements, etc., to test the changes in, in each of the countries for some limited amount of people was really time-consuming. And again, we have learned from that. And we Got have it. different what, approaches now. What an amazing story. What an amazing story. We, we have uh, exhausted our time together this morning. Is there anything I should have asked you? You should ask me maybe if I regret to, to be here. And as I have said, I, I, tried, I, I enjoy a lot and I try my, my stakeholders to enjoy together with me. But I have already said. Got it. Okay. So, so thanks so much for taking the time to do this. Would you take one moment and please reintroduce yourself and tell people how they might get a hold of you? Yes. This is Alfonso Diaz-David. I work in the Renault-Nissan Alliance as Alliance General Manager. You can contact me, and I will be very happy if you do, at ADF, Alpha Delta Indian Echo Sulu, at Nissan, with double S, dash, Europe.com. And also you can find me in LinkedIn. I am not the, the quickest answering messages, but I will, I will, I will do. I am sure. Thank you so much. It's been, it's been a real privilege to talk to you this morning, Alfonso. Um, and good luck with the talk at HR Tech um, in a couple of weeks. And thanks again for taking the time to do this. My great pleasure. Thanks to you, to all of you. Thank you. Thank you very much. You've been listening to HR Examiner's Big Ideas with Alfonso Diaz-David from Nissan. Um, and thanks for tuning in. We will see you same time next week. Bye-bye now.